Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Worst Cast, a podcast about the worst fantasy football league that's ever been. What started as a 12-team league with a bunch of friends in grad school has turned into a ridiculous, data-driven ride down memory lane. Hello, everybody, and welcome to week three of the Playoff Worst Cast. I am Alex, here with my co-host, Brandon. Thank you, Alex. You know, I'm considerably less enthusiastic this week. The world is just a little darker this week than it was last week. Oh, why is that? Tell me more about that. Uh, well, unfortunately, I have succumbed to the uh, to the result that many fantasy players do, which is that I lost uh, this week to uh, to ja- or, I'm sorry to Gray in the fantasy playoffs. So it's uh, it's been a, a dark week for me. Man, I, I feel so terrible for you. I don't know how you're ever going to be able to cope with all these emotions. You know, it's an unfamiliar emotion, Alex. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't. It's actually been a f- couple of years since I lost in the playoffs. Not since 2016, since I, I last had a, a playoff game. I actually was sitting there like upset Sunday night after I, I the, the loss was inevitable at that point. And, and wondering, like, why, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so bad? And I, I forgot that fantasy football uh, can be a cruel mistress, as she was to me this week. I'm not, that is the nature of this game that I welcome everyone else's world. Um, if only you didn't have Saquon play who did it to finally play this week. Yeah, your players certainly played well this week. Uh, you know. Yeah, great timing. Super great timing. <laughs> it was, beat it Samantha was great this week. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, for the both of us. Two two guys sitting here, no longer in the fantasy playoffs, still talking hey, about fantasy I'm, football. I'm over it. For me, you know, going for that fifth place trophy, which I got. Well, you know what? I'm confirmed uh, well, fifth place. Uh, is that how? Yeah. Well, you know, I uh, <laughs> I'm still going through this, the stages of grief, and so I'm hopeful that today's podcast can be can be good for me in, in going through those stages of grief. Hopefully, by the you end, you can still get, get third place. Second. You can still get your money back. You know. Break That's even. True. That's true. I think what I really appreciate, and we talked about this a little bit in the group chat today, that this is the league that everyone seems to be the most tilted about losing in. And I, safe to say for most of us, it's our lowest stakes league. I think, yeah, I'm almost tempted to make it lower. You know, like it's a $1 entry or something just to make it even more ridiculous. I think it would honestly make it equally as whatever. I don't think anyone cares about the payout at one in this league. Yeah, which is why it makes it so great, uh, for sure. It, it really does. Alex, speaking of speaking of greatness, we got a great podcast uh, today. A lot to get to. So uh, why don't you tell the people what we got on tap today? Yeah, you know we're gonna we're just gonna do our do our thing here. Recap what happened in week fifteen. You know the two big matchups that we had. Then we're gonna get a little preview of our excellent final. It's gonna be really exciting. And then we're actually gonna have an interview, the long-awaited interview with Josh, who. Um, is actually going to be one of the members in the championship game. So get his perspective before he inevitably was in the playoff. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't mean that. Before championship. I'm looking forward to that interview, Alex, for sure. And I speak in say because there's a bit of a commercial fix here with the intent around things. So it'd be very interesting to see you hear his thoughts going into this championship game. For sure. For sure. Awesome. So jumping right in, let's let's go to our first matchup. This is 
Gray versus you, Brandon. Um, I mean, what's pretty cool is this was actually the highest scoring week in playoff history. Tell me a little bit more about that. Are we just talking with the people that matter or are we talking across the league? Uh, we're talking about, you know, the people that matter, I guess. You know, the, the, the teams that were still active. So, gosh. Uh, and Samantha, you know, typically there are four teams that are active playing in the playoffs. So not counting, you know, not counting the uh, the teams in the consolation bracket or the teams that are already eliminated. But it was the highest. It was the highest scoring. Uh, it was the highest scoring playoff week in playoff history. Um, it was, uh, you know, I had 106 points. Gray had 118 points. Josh 126, Samantha 102. All four playoff teams were over 100 points for the first time um, in uh, in playoff history. Um, you know, the average was 113 points per game, which broke the record set all the way back in week 17 of 2011. So an extremely high scoring playoff. Just just as a reminder, in last year's playoffs, um, there were all, which, as you'll recall, last year was like the highest scoring. Uh, year in league history last year there were only two teams throughout the entire playoffs this week we had all four team owners do it so that just goes to show um how uh how high scoring it was and and no one was perhaps more disappointed than that than yours truly as i scored 106 points in a loss i remember last week you were upset with your what was it 99 in a loss or 98 in a loss i had 106 in a loss it was the third most in a loss in playoff history. Hey, don't worry. I had 116 in a win this week, so let's cry a little bit more about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Brandon's view on his unfortunate demise that, you know, it just showed not not everyone is invincible. Um, the score is 118 to 106, so, you know, at least you kind of were at that point where the points weren't on your bench, right? You don't have to have that feeling that if I had made another decision, or did you? No, certainly. I mean, that was last week we talked about. I was agonizing over whether to start Kyler Murray or Ryan Tannehill, and then at my flex whether to start Odell Beckham or Manuel Sanders or possibly Will Fuller. You know, ultimately I made the right decision in Tannehill over Murray, but the wrong decision, I guess, uh, in terms of Emmanuel Sanders. You told me it's playoff time. Emmanuel Sanders is going to show up. What happened? He had zero points for me. Hey, I'm not in the playoffs. Don't have my advice. Obviously, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have. Regardless, you're right. It would have made a difference. The best I had on my bench was six. Uh, I lost by twelve. So you know, it would not. It would not have made a difference for me. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna vent a little bit. I feel like I need this for my own sort of. Yeah, you know, we all we all get our opportunities to do it, and I got so much guff last week. I'm happy to hear it. You know, like I felt like I felt like. I was, I was very disappointed to lose to Gray. I felt like it was a toss-up sort of matchup, you know, where I really think if you play this match back, five, you know, 10 times, I think I win five, you know, Gray wins five. And I think it just so happened, you know, that he won this week. You know, looking back at the box scores, you know, Gray, the place where Gray outscored me the most was at the non-skill position players. So, you know, tight end, defense, and kicker. He won those three positions by nine points. You know, and then the total margin was 12. That was most of that margin. The other area where he outscored me was at flex, where Devin Singletary outscored Emmanuel Sanders. I kind of feel like that was a little fluky, him coming off of 20-something game, 20-something point game to get zero. You know, uh, that really hurt. It especially hurt considering that I wanted Devin Singletary way back in the draft, and Gray actually drafted, uh, and yet I, I drafted Emmanuel Sanders before I thought it was too early to be taking him in the seventh round. 
Um, and so, of course, Gray took him one pick after me. So a little revenge, uh, you know, for that draft day scoring. But, you know, um, it, what can I say? It, it, uh, some of it feels a little fluky. A.J. Brown obviously had the big game. He had 17 points. I think that's why I was playing Ryan Tannehill to sort of counteract a little bit of that defensively, you know. Uh, but even if he played Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett had a great game. So I can't be mad at that. Honestly, if anything, I feel like Ezekiel Elliott having 27 points is kind of what killed me. And if he had just had a normal-ish Ezekiel Elliott game, you know, let's say he'd had 14 points instead of 27. 27, that was his career high or his season high this year. Uh, I would have won the game. You know, instead he had a Christian McCaffrey-like uh, 27. Uh, so I ultimately... Uh, came and up there short. we but have no, it, everybody. Revisionist history from the guy who runs models on revisionist history. What a what a deep, deep insider. If Ezekiel didn't have a good game, he would have. I hey, that is hard hitting stuff, Brandon. <laughs> I'm just saying he performed. He had his best game of the season against me. He hadn't performed that well all season. And of course, I did also want to apologize. We're having a bit of connection issues going both ways. So if it sounds like one of us is a little bit underwater on the recording here, we apologize. We haven't really been able to figure out what it is. So bear with us. Um, listen to our wonderful voices, auto-tuned or not. Just wanted to give everyone a quick heads up because we have been having some connection issues over the last few minutes here. Uh, well, that's a, it's just, you know, it's just par for the course this season. You know, I think there are a lot of stats, you know, that I can point to for why I lost. You know, obviously, as Gray pointed out, he got a lot of points off the waiver wire. Um, you know, and he's getting a lot from free agency, you know, and he just kind of happened to play the right players. I, I think ultimately it's just the way fantasy goes sometimes, you know what I mean? Like I easily, things could have easily gone the other way up on this one. You know, I, I look back on the fact that like, had I started Kyler Murray in week 11, uh, I would have won that game against Nick and I would have been the one seed and I would have had enough points to beat Samantha and Josh would have beaten Gray and it would have been a Finals. So, I mean, and, and that's not unique to me. Like, that revisionist history is something that back, like, JT was really close to making the playoffs, and I think he's kind of been killing it in the consolation bracket. Jeff had a really big point total. There's a lot of scoring kind of league-wide. So I mean, if I, I think it just Samantha, goes, if I had beaten Samantha the week that it was 127 to 126, I would have had a shot at beating grade, went out the division, then I would have had, there's so many different scenarios. That's which, which is just goes to show how, like, this fantasy thing, like, how fickle it is and how, easy, you know, we put so much time and focus and attention into it. And yet, you know, it, it's, it can be really fluky. And so I just felt like I came up short on this one. Um, and, you know, I felt like I've had a lot of luck in the playoffs. Certainly uh, this year, uh, it wasn't the case. Exactly. Um. I also want to say, though, so you said it's a toss-up between you and Gray, right? Well, you guys were actually all-time. You were winning the series 5-6. to six. So naturally, if it is a toss-up matchup, um, statistics could have predicted this one might have gone to Gray, actually. Yeah, and it did. So he's, you know, we, our series is now 6-6 six and six all-time. He gets his first one against me in the playoffs. He's now 1-2 and two in the playoffs against me. This is only my second-ever loss in the playoffs. Uh, my only other loss was to Jeff in the 2016 championship, and I will not appear in the championship game for the first time in four years. 2015, the last time I missed the playoffs. It's going to be like this year when the Ravens make it over the Patriots. 
Well, we, we can all hope for that. We can all hope for that for sure. Ravens, and yet yeah, I'm not going to say the other team that can make it because I hate them too. But so everybody, that is our, our Gray versus Brandon. But there was another game, and this game actually had the highest player. And that our ST, Mr. Josh. Uh, yeah, you know, that was a huge breakout playoff win for Josh. He won 126 to 102 over Samantha. And uh, it was his first ever playoff win. His most points scored in the playoff career. His previous high was 104 back in 2014. And prior to this game, he was averaging just 77.3 points per game. Only Eric and Nick had been worse. So uh, a huge monkey off Josh's back. He'd had, you know, four consecutive duds in a row scoring within the 80s. And so he finally broke through here with a big 126 points. I mean— and let's be fair, I think both of us should probably eat crow because I think we were both kind of leaving him left for dead last week with Mike Evans. But apparently Mike Evans clone showed up and got him Mike Evans numbers. Yeah, and this is where I feel bad for Samantha, because, I mean, Brashad Perriman oh, going for Samantha, 29 poor points. Samantha. <laughs> I mean, Brashad Perriman, are you serious? Are you serious, Josh? You got not only you got twenty nine points from Brashad Perriman. Not only that, but why did you start him? Brashad Perriman was started in just three point five percent of leagues. I mean, I know it seems like Josh won in a landslide. He won by twenty four. Perriman had twenty nine. It's not out of the realm of possibility to consider he could have had four points, uh, and instead he had twenty nine points. And so Samantha uh, gets the loss. To put it in perspective, it was the most points scored. Uh, it was the I'm sorry. It was the fourteenth most points scored by a running back or wide receiver in playoff history. So of all the running backs okay. and wide receivers started in the playoffs, 14 So we can, and we, mo- can jump, we can jump down, Josh. I think it was an amazing play. Congratulations to Josh. I think that's awesome. And we're talking about how unlucky Samantha was here. She had the guy throwing him the ball who scored 30 points in back-to-back playoff games. I don't even know if we have the stats on that. I don't think that's ever happened in our league either. That's true. I mean, sure. So you're saying it's a little fluky on both ends? Exactly. Like, we can we can jump on Perriman, but Jameis scoring 30 in back-to-back weeks is pretty nuts as well. Uh, fair enough. But Perriman, I, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's crazy. It was the most points scored by a free agent running back wide receiver ever. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it's not unlike what Amari Cooper had 39 against you last year. So I know, I know that those sorts of things hurt. Oh, they, I'm aware. I'm yeah. aware. But I mean— you know, in terms of the two teams, like I thought it was interesting that Samantha actually outscored Josh significantly at quarterback and running and running back. She won that game 69 to 36 at those two positions. So if you told me before the game, Samantha was going to outscore Josh at quarterback and running back by 33 points, which when you think about it, that's kind of Josh, right? Derrick Henry and Russell Wilson. And Samantha's going to outscore him by 33. I thought she would have easily won the game. That's why we play the game. I mean, Derrick Henry didn't even break double digits. That's right. He had a, he had a, he did uh, eight. Instead, Josh outscored Samantha at wide receiver and tight end, sixty-one to eighteen. Despite the fact that I think Samantha had the better wide receiver core. You know, she had Hopkins, Edelman, and Landry. Edelman and Landry combined for two points uh, between the two of them. So sounds like Josh again, put his lineup into DraftKings this week, and he might have seen a seen some cash. Yeah, that's that's true. I, it's just a tough. I think it's just a tough break uh, for Samantha on this one. I think she had a good team. It you know it just didn't work out. Uh, you know the Patriots defense obviously showed up 
finally in a big way for Josh. You know, this is why he traded for them, getting 19 points. Uh, that was also killer as well. No, m- most definitely. Um, but I, honestly, I love that both of the playoff games were. I think these are four of the five highest scores of the week. Is my is my are my numbers there? Correct. <laughs> are, are you just trying to throw your own number in there, basically, and say that you oh, had no. one of the other? I mean, They're actually what I was going to get to was that it's exciting that the final four all scored 100 points. But, yeah, obviously I should have been in there as well. I mean, Nick had 123 this week. Jeff had 106. And I think Jeff was still starting Jonathan Williams. So, I mean, well, you know, it's, it's just exciting. Yeah, and a lot of points. A lot, a lot of points scored this you week. You made it, it is about me. I was just implying that it was exciting that those four teams had over 100. Uh, it was less exciting if you were one of the ones who had – who was going up against someone who had over 100. Ah, yes, my sympathy. I I forgot about what it meant to be sympathetic. My (laughs) my apologies. Well, speaking of high scoring, you know, Samantha, she's back in the consolation game for the second straight year. So two for two, uh, you know, playing in the consolation game. So she'll be playing the last weekend of the year, two in a row. Um, She's had two games of 100 plus in the playoffs. I mean, that's impressive. She's averaging 119.5 points per game in this year's playoffs. So she's been playing really well. Uh, Despite the loss, she still holds the league record for career playoff scoring average. She's averaging 105.8 points per game in the playoffs. So nobody brings it uh, like Samantha does in the playoffs. Still, she she doesn't get the uh, the result that she wants. Um, So she'll be playing me, hoping to to come up with her second third place finish. Right. But now, I I think it's time we stop talking about the losers. And we start talking about Essentially, the two winners here, and those those were Josh and Gray going into this championship game here, with Josh with a fifty nine percent chance versus Gray's forty one percent chance. That's a pretty substantial difference for a championship game, particularly of a one and a two seed. Yeah, and I think it just shows how much stronger Josh's team has been this year. It's like one of like the top six best teams all time. I was actually looking if Josh is able to win this championship, he will be the arguably the best team ever because. He would, be, he would be the team with the highest true winning percentage of all the champions. Currently, the highest true winning percentage of a champion is like 680, which was set by Jess in 2014. Josh is at 700. So he would immediately be, you know, if he can finish, if he can, if he can seal the deal, if he can close it out, he could be one of the best teams of all time. So I think that's why he's so heavily favored over Gray. Very interesting. So it may not be based off of projections this week, but it's, you know, the ELO based on the entire season. And obviously all of those things get taken into account. Right, exactly. It's much closer if you look at their actual, like you know, the ESPN projections, which takes that into account the real players, the matchups. It's more of a, it's more of a coin toss there. I think what's also kind of cool about this game, and you know, not that I'm someone that likes favorites, I don't follow favorites necessarily. I'm a Broncos fan for God's sake, but we have the number one and number two team in the championship game. Has this ever happened? Like, what's the what's, what are the numbers on this? You know, it is extremely rare. You're right. The, the top two seeds have never met in the championship game, which is crazy considering for years we only had four teams in the playoffs. So you just needed the two favorites to win. But we've never had a number one versus a number two. This is the first time. The one seed has, of course, made the title game five times, winning three. That would be Gray, Jess, and Brandon from 2017. Meanwhile, the two seed has only made the title game once. So it's usually the two seed that falls short. Uh, last year, I won the championship as a two seed. The most common is actually the three seed, which has made uh, the playoffs seven times in nine years. 
I, I couldn't, unfortunately for me, I couldn't make it eight uh, this year. The three seed also has the, the league record for uh, championships. So that is unprecedented. And it's not just the seeds. These are, as you said, distinctly the two best teams in the league. Um, and that we have the top, the, the number one and the number two team in the final power rankings will face each other in the championship game for the first time since 2013. That's pretty exciting stuff. You know, for all the people following the league, um, I was, I've been sort of thinking about this. And I, I obviously make all these joke comparisons to real life teams. And I'm trying to put a team on Gray and Josh's teams as if they were NFL teams. And I have, I have my idea of who I think they both are. And I'm curious who you think they both are. Interesting. All right. Well, as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of football, I'll let you go first. <laughs> who do you I think, think they are? Josh, I'm going to say, is the Kansas City Chiefs. A team that is very consistently good. They're always really good, but has failed to win in the playoffs literally every single year. Obviously, Josh won a game in the playoffs, so it's not quite there. But I think there's a very similar um, dichotomy and timeline. And if Josh wins this week, I sure hope they don't have the same fate, um, the Chiefs. Um, and since Josh is going to be the AFC representative, I'm going to go with Gray. This isn't because of his accent, but I think he is the New Orleans Saints. Um, a consistently strong team. They have won a championship um, back, you know, against... I'm pretty sure Indianapolis Colt and Peyton Manning. Um, but I would say that this is as if the Chiefs and Saints were meeting in this year's Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's not a bad comparison. I've often compared Gray to the, the Patriots, right, just because he his team is the best and has consistently been the best. But you're right. like, But he has not won like the Patriots have won. So I guess the Saints maybe would be a better comparison. You're the Patriots. You're the Patriots. <laughs> Uh, I'm the Patriots. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Just because I keep winning, basically. Yeah, uh, that's, that's essentially what they do. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. And, and I so, think I like the Broncos, sadly, because we just stink. But we have a championship. You're better than the Broncos. Well, I guess the Broncos did have a recent championship, so I shouldn't say that. Yep. More recent <laughs> than pretty much every team in the league except the Patriots and Eagles. Well, I'll go with those. I'll go with those. I, I like those comparisons. So, do you have uh, your own, or do those sound pretty accurate to you? No, those sound, those sound accurate to me for sure. I, I would one of the teams. I guess your I would tone is so convincing. <laughs> I, I don't have a better. I don't have a better comparison. I, I would say for Gray, like the Atlanta Braves from the 1990s, right? They were always the best. Only won one championship. To me, that's like more an apt comparison for Gray. Fall short in the playoffs, but that's a, that, we're getting cross sports comparisons now. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. What's baseball? I don't, I don't know that one. Except that the Astros cheated. Um, moving forward, though, let's let's talk about how they got here. You know, it's been a long season. Last week's game was just a part of it, particularly because we got the one and the two seeds here. These are people that were dominant the entire year. What? What led these two teams on this fantastic journey to the chip? Well, you know, as you know, as somebody who I like to study, you know, the drafts and how people performed, you know, to educate myself, make myself better. You know, ultimately, I feel like the reason I was not successful this year was because I did not improve my flex position. Sorry, I'm talking about myself too much. But these team owners made the necessary moves throughout the season to, to, to bring themselves to this point. 
And uh, I mean, it starts in the draft. And so Gray and Josh, Gray had the fourth pick in the draft. Josh had the ninth pick in the draft. So interestingly, they were both about four picks from the ends. Um, and um, surprisingly, in my work league, the person that picked in that area also in the championship game. I mean, I feel like there's something I, that's a great position to be in. I like it. I mean, the fourth and ninth pick have actually appeared in the title game twice each. Title. I actually have won the the championship from the fourth and the ninth pick, and the fourth and ninth pick actually met in the 2011 finals with the fourth pick winning it all. That would be Gray this year. Um, so a lot of parallels, honestly, between. Uh, 2011 and this year um but if you look at their picks i thought i thought that uh ja i'm sorry gray had a killer draft gray just absolutely murdered this draft um if we go back and look at his draft he picked ezekiel elliott mike evans leonard fournette uh stefan diggs ty hilton the the, the 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 last two there are not great but elliott evans fournette a great three picks and then if you look at his later picks um, sorry, before I get there, if you, if you compare those picks to Josh's first three picks, Josh's first three picks were James Conner, Travis Kelsey, Brandon Cooks. Don't love that as much as I love Gray's picks of Elliott Evans and Fournette. And then if you look at Gray's later picks, he had so many great picks late in the draft from Miles Sanders in the sixth, Devin Singletary in the seventh, John Brown in the ninth, Jameis Winston, he of the 230-plus games in the 11th, uh, Josh Allen in the 12th, Mark Andrews in the 14th. Pick after pick of great picks. Josh's really only great later round pick was Russell Wilson in the 10th. So honestly, Gray did uh, everything on draft day to really uh, set himself up uh, for a huge success. Uh, Josh's uh, uh, great picks. I, honestly, I feel like Josh really only had three really good picks. And that those were Derrick Henry in the fourth, DJ Moore in the fifth, and Russell Wilson in the 10th. So in some ways, it's amazing uh, that Josh has been as dominant and as good as he is. And it's amazing Gray has not been better uh, than he is. Um, and I think the number one reason behind that is the trade. The, the infamous trade between these two teams. That's right. Often we have trades that happen in the league. Rarely do we get that revenge game to happen where they come back together and they, they have to face back off against each other. But that's so what's going to happen. Who's getting revenge on who? So in uh, this, th remember this trade happened prior to week six. This was a big blockbuster trade in the league. This, this predates the podcast, but we had uh, we had six players traded. Josh traded away uh, Travis Kelsey, Brandon Cooks, and the Rams defense, and in return he got Mark Andrews, Mike Evans, and the Patriots defense. Uh, what did you think about that trade at the time, Alex? <sighs> I mean, at the time, I really liked the Travis Kelsey side. I'm, I'm a firm believer in best player in the deal. I wasn't really convinced on Evans, to be honest. I saw Cooks' upside, so I, I was all in on Kelsey. You know, I was the same way. And, like, I think we were focusing at the time on the deal on the Patriots D because then they went out and scored, like, 20 points. And we're like, well, maybe the Patriots D were the best player in the deal. And to be honest, they have scored the most points. Since the deal, they've scored 123 points. Uh, so they, they have been the best player in the deal, I guess you might say. But really, the, the, the stark difference has between, been between uh, Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans. I mean, if I had told you at the time that after week five, Brandon Cooks was only going to score 16 more points the rest of the season, would you believe that? I wouldn't believe that for that number of points. I'm a big 
Brandon Cook's hater. I never want him on my team. But it's but 16. That he scored 16 points in 11 the, weeks. The rest of the season, 16 points. I mean, it's that's, unbelievable. It, yeah, I mean, that, that is the, the number one reason why I think Josh won this deal. I mean, basically what happened was, if I go back and look at, at the year, Gray drafted a championship team, and then he did everything in his power to try to trade that team away. He traded away Mark Andrews, Mike Evans, the Patriots defense, Miles Sanders, John Brown. And in return for that huge haul, all he got was Travis Kelsey and Tyler Lockett. And he might just win the damn thing. Well, you know, because, you know, as fate would have it, right, you know, Mike Evans injured out for the season when it matters most, right? And Tyler Lockett was not doing that well yesterday or this week he had 18 points. So suddenly, I don't know, maybe Gray knew what was coming. But I think what's something that's really indicative of this is the fact that, like, Gray Gray made, like, the most trades this year besides Jess, but he traded away the most players and yet he only is getting 5% of his points from trade versus Josh, who only made one trade this year, is getting 18% of his scoring from trade. So it just goes to show how much more productive the traded players have been for Josh uh, than they oh, have yeah. been for Gray. No, it's, so, it's been incredible. And, and, you know, go ahead. And if I could be a little bit more nerdy with the stats, you know, if you just go back and look at how the teams are performing before and after the trade, I think it goes to show that the trade really was in favor of Josh and that in the, the weeks prior to the trade, so from weeks two through seven, yes, the trade was after week six and seven. But I'm going to take weeks two through seven. Gray was number one in the league. He went five and one with a 742 true winning percentage, averaging 110 points per game. And then after the trade, week six through 10, Josh was five and oh, 927 true winning percentage, 119 points. True record of 51 and four, just scorching. So uh, um, there was an immediate shift, an immediate change when that trade happened that Josh really ascended and became the team that he is. That is the number, I mean, the number one reason Josh's team is as good as it is, is Derrick Henry in the fourth round. I mean, that's a great pick. But the number two reason, I would say, is this trade. And, uh, and, and great being in the championship game is really in spite of these trades. And yet, as you said, Travis Kelsey and Tyler Lockett have one more chance to make good here in the championship final to make it all worth it. Well, it, it's funny. So, yeah, obviously we, we kind of know Josh was the best team this year. But going into the championship, you know, we obviously you mentioned um, outside of last week's game, he was struggling a bit. He's facing if we were to just take the last seven or so weeks who the best team in the league and that's great. So really, it's we kind of got we really do have the two top dogs going going at this thing right now. Yeah, no doubt. The best team versus the hottest team, Josh versus Gray. I mean, Josh was the best team all season. Gray was the hottest team entering the playoffs, you know, averaging 104 points per game, you know, going 3-0 and over his last three. I mean, honestly, if you just look at their, you know, their recent scoring, I think Gray has scored 90s or better in, you know, each of its last uh, five games, including his, like, bye week last week. Josh just barely got back uh, to scoring, you know, big this week. He finally rebounded. Um, but, um, you know, as you said, two of the top teams, they both have led the league in scoring four times this season, you know, which is, just, which is tied for the league high. No, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, I, it's also, we sort of have this big thing between the best team all time in the league, which is gray 
And one of the best teams, but the team that can just never get it across the finish line here and Josh. So it's very exciting for if Josh is going to pull this thing off for the first time, he's going to have to rip it from Gray's cold, dead hands, which is the person you want to rip it from to really feel like you earned it. <laughs> That's right. I mean, this match will have big implications for the history of the league. Can Gray get his second ever championship, right? He's certainly deserving. Still the greatest team of all time. Number one in career true winning percentage. Number one in career scoring. Number two in total playoff wins. Number one in playoff appearances. Um, you know, he's been dominant, just hasn't had the championships to match. But Josh has never won a championship. Can Josh get that first championship? Can he get that monkey off the back of being the greatest um, team to never you know, win a championship. Uh, you know, he's got a prime opportunity. They don't come around very often. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who's able to come out uh, on top this week. I mean, at the end of the day, the only team that makes the playoffs at a higher percentage than these two guys is Samantha. And she's been in the league for two years and she's two for two. Go Samantha, beat me twice. I remember. Um, but these two guys both have league high 67% playoff rates. So two out of three times, they're making the playoffs. That's right. I mean, they, they are regulars. Sour grapes for me aside, uh, they are very deserving. These are the guys that we want in the, in the championship game uh, for certain. They, they deserve to be here. No, most definitely. And, you know, all time in the regular season, it's three for three. It's a pretty close matchup. But if you can do the math, they've met twice in the playoffs, which means Gray's won twice in the playoffs because – you know, this was Josh's first win. So, you know, it's exciting to he's going to get to, you know, come out here and whoever wins this game is going to. I mean, he can start to tilt the scales back on their time head to head matchup if, if Josh is able to pull this one off. Yeah, I mean, it's been a complete, a very even series between the two of them. If we even look at how they played this season, if, if Josh and Gray had played each other every single week this season, Josh would have won that 15 game series eight to seven. And, like, literally, it alternated. Like, Josh won the first one, Gray won the second one. Josh won the, the third one, Gray won the fourth one. It alternated for the first six. Then Josh won four, getting hot immediately after that trade. And then Gray, being the hottest team in the playoffs, won four. Josh would have won their matchup last week. So it's back and forth, back and forth. Um, so it goes either way. Well, the, the, what's, what's interesting is, so we have this back and forth nature between the two of them, which would lead you to believe that this is going to be a barn burner. It's going to come down to the last second to figure it out. But it doesn't seem historically that when they play each other, it is as close as one would think. Yeah, I was shocked by this. Their margin of victory in their matchups is it's all blowouts. It's what's crazy. It's like it's the, the average margin of victory in a Josh first gray game is 44.2 points per game in the regular season. That is the most in the league without two games played. And out of their 10 times they, they faced off, including the playoffs, seven of them have been decided by 39 points or more. So Josh was texting me earlier today asking me what the tiebreaker was, which for those who don't know, the tiebreaker goes to the higher seed. But I don't, you know, j based on like previous history, the tiebreaker is not even going to come into this because it could very well be a blowout. In fact, the largest margin of victory in the playoffs ever was when Gray beat Josh 151 to 55. He beat Josh by 96 points back in 2014. Uh, I'm sorry, 20, uh, 2015, I believe. So This is my so, first time hearing that number. That is excessive. <laughs> it is excessive. Excessive. So, I mean, I think that's just a 
uh, maybe some bulletin board material for Josh's guys this week, that 151 to 55 victory. It's nearly three X. It, it nearly is. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So let's, we, we can talk about the matchups all we want, but at the end of the day, they're not the ones playing. Their players are the ones playing. So let's, let's talk about who the players are to watch this week and who's really going to decide this match. Yeah, so, you know, at quarterback, you know, Russell Wilson has a really good matchup this week playing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I think this is an area where Josh can really exploit Gray because this is Gray's weakest position. I mean, he got, uh, you know, 20 points from from uh, Fitzpatrick last week. I don't know if he can expect another 20-point game from Fitzpatrick again. I think he's, he picked up Phillip Rivers uh, on waivers. So, you know, Josh really needs maybe Russell Wilson to help him because this is an area where he definitely has a decided advantage over gray no most definitely i mean that's that's the big one there that that stands out to me is and the reason josh is here is really russell wilson but when it comes to the skilled skill positions as we've you know alluded to that's where gray really really shines in this matchup yeah for sure so so josh will be starting one top 20 running back in derrick henry but gray will be starting two in in ezekiel elliott and leonard fournette josh will be starting one top 20 wide receiver in dj moore gray will be starting two and tyler lockett and yes aj brown is a top 20 wide receiver and to be uh, fair if, if if you had told me that dj moore was a top 20 wide receiver i'd say you're lying so it's not even like a good top 20 wide receiver He's been good. Look at the numbers. I, you know, sneaky good. I've talked about all of Josh's players. They don't have the name recognition, but you know, they've been really, really solid. I mean, here's DJ Moore's game log since week nine, 10 points, 12 points, nine points, 24 points, 13 points, eight points, 12 points. I take that guy. Consistent. We'll call him consistent. Yeah. We'll call I him mean, consistent. eight or more every single game. That's pretty good. Hey, Hey, you didn't, you're not lying. So there is some injuries that, you know, are coming into play here. I mean, Josh, obviously, with Mike Evans not starting. James Conner will. What does that mean? We don't really know. That back, I mean, that backfield's weird, too, with Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. But having James Conner in the lineup is something that's really going to help, you know, Josh with some certainty at running back, hopefully. Gray, on the other hand, is completely healthy to the point where even the oft-injured um, T.Y. Hilton is playing, but not playing for Gray. I mean, another thing you got to admire about Gray is like he won't—he he's not afraid to change things up, right? Like he is going to be sitting as as it looks right now, his fourth and fifth round picks. He's sitting T.Y. Hilton and he's sitting Stephon Diggs in favor of Tyler Lockett and A.J. Brown, going with the hot hand. Whoa! Uh, so, Whoa! So. Which you know, which I think is the right call. And Josh is doing the same thing, starting Brashad Perriman who I guess is the only guy left in Tampa Bay with, with, with Chris Godwin also injured. So why not fire him? How could you not start him again after his 29 points last week? So uh, I know how to be just seen. by not doing it, just by literally just not doing it is the way. <laughs> but um, moving into the other positions, I mean, they are, they are neck and neck. I mean, we have RB21 Raheem Mostert versus RB26 Devin Singletary at the flex. And, you know, while it sounds like Mostert may have the upper hand there, Singletary's really got more touches at this point. So we don't really know how that's going to end up. Then we have the the tight ends that pulled a freaky Friday, 
Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, who switched teams. Mark Andrews tight end three, Kelsey tight end one. And we have the top two defenses in the league. And they say defenses win championships. And look where we are. One of the top two defenses will win this championship with the Patriots at number one and the Steelers at number two. The kickers, Josh Elsler, Harrison Butker. I, I, I love the one. kickers because I feel like you might want to talk about the kickers. <laughs> I don't. Uh, needless to say, it is a close matchup. I, you know, I, I think Josh has the advantage at quarterback. Gray has the advantage at the skill positions. At flex, I think I'd rather have Devin single. Um, I just don't trust that 49ers backfield. So, um, and, you know, at the other positions, I'd rather have Kelsey, but Andrews isn't that bad, and I, I would rather have the Patriots D. So it's going to be a close matchup. Um, what do we think? I'd rather have what Butker. Do we think you know, I'll talk about the kickers if you want. I'd rather have <laughs> Butker than Gold. Um, well, how are we going? Go, I'm going to go with my original pick at the beginning of the playoffs. Let me go with Gray here. You know, my heart. I like those running backs. I like those running backs too much. You know, all season long, Josh has been, he's been the best team all season long for the most part. Um, I, do, I have never been a big believer in this team. I wasn't a big believer in the guys he drafted, but he made smart decisions in trade. He deserves to win this championship. My heart is with Josh. He's never, he's never won a championship before um, to win. My head is with Gray. I just think... I, I just think, uh, you know, Zeke, Fournette, Brown, Lockett, I just think the players are too strong. I think I think Gray's going to come out on top, but I, but I don't know. I, I, I honestly so don't know. So, ladies and gentlemen, if the Saints play against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Saints winning is confirmed. <laughs> so, I think we're both going with Gray here. Be surprised. Josh has been proving me wrong all season long, where I feel like his team is, is not that good. But he keeps putting up the huge point totals, so would not be surprised. And, you know, wouldn't it be poetic if the Patriots defense puts up a huge score uh, on Gray or Travis Kelsey puts up a big number on Josh? Um, so, you know, either way, so, we will I have think a, we'll, a I'm chance. excited. So, as you guys can tell, we're obviously coming to the end of this podcast, but we are actually about to jump right into our interview with Josh. And I think the first thing we should do is tell him that we're both picking Gray to win this thing and tell him to convince us otherwise. I, li- I like it. I like it. Awesome. Well, you know, for now, we're going we're gonna to hop off. We're going to hop on with Josh. And, you know, as, as we like to say, nobody cares about your fantasy team. Especially us. Especially this week. All right. Especially this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second half of tonight's podcast, the playoff week three preview episode. We are now joined by Josh. Josh, say hello. Hello, everyone. As well as Brandon is still here. He has gone nowhere. Uh, Still here, lamenting that I'm not going to be able to play you this week, Josh. I'm sorry I couldn't keep my end of the bargain and have our two teams from the same division. That's where I wanted to start. You know, Brandon and I, we just finished recording the first part. And, you know, we had a heart-to-heart. And he told me, you know, I don't feel like I truly got to express my feelings about my team. So before we jump into Josh, I really want to give Brandon the floor here to just really, you know, give us the obituary on his team for this season. Uh, I just feel like I came across as, as having too, many, too much sour grapes, too bitter about my loss to Gray. I think Gray is a very deserving team. If I had to point the finger anywhere for, my, for where I ended up this season, I'm pointing it at myself because I, I think the, the place I lost was at flex. I think I, I just 
was never able to find a good flex player there. I, I tried that trade for Odell Beckham. It didn't work out. Um, it was too little too late. Um, you know, as Jack, we, we picked up LaShawn McCoy. He picked up LaShawn McCoy. I picked up Damian Williams. Investing in that Chief, Chiefs backfield was a mistake. But where I think where I really aired this season is an area where you really excelled, Josh, and that is trying to make my team better through trade. And um, there were several opportunities I had this year, whether it was with Will Fuller going off for 30 points, Emmanuel Sanders having some big games, um, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson actually had some good games later in the season, you know, those sorts of players. I had opportunities to sell those guys and sell high, and I just didn't uh, when I should have. And as a result, I think I left it up to chance. And I think it was a 50-50 shot there. Uh, against Gray, it did not end up in my favor. But you've got to do everything you can to improve your team, and I think that's something that you did really well uh, this year. You know, we, we spent a lot of time on our uh, on the podcast here today talking about the trade, of course, uh, between you and Gray, and I, I really think that's an area where um, you were able to improve your team. So, so, so talk to me, Josh, a little bit. I mean, you've had a great season. You've been the number one. You know, you're the number one team in fantasy this year in our league. What 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 has been your approach this year? What has made you so successful? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I've been listening to all the all the podcasts, all the episodes for the last couple of weeks, and well, it's exciting um, that you know we we've missed you for a few weeks now, but now this turned into a championship preview episode with you. It did, yeah. It actually worked. It's like it's kind of poetic how that worked out. Um, uh, in terms of how how I structured my team, I I kind of went into the draft with. Um, you know, with my father-in-law's uh, advice on on fantasy drafting, which which is in a nutshell, uh, just draft players that are on good teams, because even if those players are average to mediocre, they're still going to be surrounded by other great players who are going to make them better. And if the team does well over the course of the season, then they have a, a good shot at improving, even if they start slow. So I started started that in the draft, and. First few weeks of the season went started going well. You know, Russell Wilson started hot. Um, James Conner started great. Um, Harrison Harrison Butker has been just just a stud for me all year. He's been great. We talked about how elite he is earlier in the podcast, believe it or not. Yeah. So when I was drafting a kicker, I just figured that might as well go for the best offense because that kicker is if he you know doesn't do well, he's not going to be there for very long. Um, and then you can just pick up his replacement. So Bucker has really been like the anchor of my team, I would say. <laughs> Man, the kicker anchor, classic kicker anchor. He is kicker one. Kicker one. So I, I wanted to mention one thing, and it's I'm only saying this because it's a promise we made to the listeners at the end of the previous part of this podcast. Um, both Brandon and I did make our picks based off of the teams and who we thought we were going to was going to win the championship. And, you know, we both did choose gray, just given some of the circumstances, given what we're seeing moving forward. So we wanted to bring it to the table for you to tell us why you're going to be great. I mean, that's a great question. You guys, uh, gray's got a really solid team up and down. Um, I was, I was doing a little oh, scouting no, we don't earlier want you to tell us how good his team is. We want to know why your team is better. Oh, why my team is better. Oh yeah, sell well, us. Well, there's clearly one. There's one reason that just really shines brightly, I think, and that is that I have the number one kicker in fantasy football, and Gray doesn't. And the number one defense. And the number one defense. The number one defense, number one kicker, 
I think Bills are going to get me get me the win on Sunday night. It's going to come we down. Just, it's going to come do we down. Have to historical do. data on this, Brandon. Number one kicker in correlation to championships, or is that not in your data pool? Uh, I don't know. I I haven't run the analysis <laughs> on kicker. I will say, typically, the teams who have the best running backs uh, tend to do really well, and you've got a really good one in hard Derek hitting Cameron. stuff. Hard hitting stuff. <laughs> uh, so here's a prediction. Actually, I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction. The the championship is going to come down to Harrison Butker versus Travis Kelsey on Sunday Night Football. I mean, I mean that, that, that is absolutely what, based on the schedule. You're right. Those are the last two players. I mean, I got to think if I'm you, I got to hope I, I got to hope that I'm up at that point. Right. I mean, Harrison Butker could outscore Travis Kelsey. I, ha- I have to believe that I'll be up. Did you know, Josh, that while it may seem like it's a close matchup, historically, the average margin between you and Gray has been 44 points. It's not surprising, to be honest. But it's not one-sided. It's a 3-3 series in the regular season. But the average margin has been 44, which is pretty incredible numbers to see. But I think that we're going to regress to the mean here, and I do not disagree with you that this is going to come down to the Sunday night hammer. Here's the thing. Any one of, any one of my players could go off. Any one of Gray's players could go off. No, I don't think anybody saw Brashard Perryman scoring three touchdowns last week. But I had a feeling that Jameis Winston was going to be tossing the rock to Mike Evans' replacement on a consistent basis. And he ended up doing that. So I'm really hoping that it happens again. Uh, that said... Uh, apparently Bruce Arians did mention that they're going to have to throw the ball to running backs pretty consistently. Uh, and as we all know, Richard Perryman is not a running back. So, uh, this could completely blow up in my face. I mean, it hasn't blown up yet. You can always, you can always make moves. Um, we actually talked about that play for quite a while. I was in full defense of it and I loved it. And Brandon just could not believe you did it. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, for Rashad Perriman was started in 3.5% of leagues. So I just have to say kudos to you. It was absolutely the right call. Uh, just some of the numbers that we shared on Brashad Perriman uh, from earlier in the podcast, just to give you a sense for how ridiculous his performance truly was, was the fact that Brashad Perriman was, uh, you know, he had scored, the, that was the most points ever scored by a free agent pickup running back wide receiver ever in the playoffs. No no one had ever scored that many. And it was the most points scored by a running back or wide receiver in the playoffs since Samantha uh, had Amari Cooper score 39 against Alex last year. So just a monster call. So kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling great about the call. Um, I'm also feeling, you know, a little anxious about seeing that call through uh, to this weekend as well. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I mean, so, you know, because I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't go Darius Slayton, honestly, because he had a great matchup against the Dolphins. And I, I'll tell you, I put in a waiver claim for him and was trying to get him to put in my flex. You got him before me. So it was a smart call. And, like, you honestly, man, you deserved it because, I mean, it sucks down in the playoffs. And you had some serious adversity with Mike Evans. Like, you're arguably one of your best players going down in the playoffs. Uh, that's not easy. So um, it's only right that, that Perriman would have a big game. From a fantasy karma perspective. Yeah, you know, I figured the season was over uh, as soon as Evans went down. Um, you know, he's he's been a stud. And, 
you know, I traded Kelsey for him. So it's not like you can, not like you can just replace Mike Evans until you can with Brashard Perryman, which is crazy. <laughs> hey, and sometimes magic, magic happens. So, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, we've, we've talked about the factions of our league, the people that care, the people that are a lot more casual. You definitely, this year in particular, have definitely been the leader of the pack and the really, really care in about this league. And, you know, Brandon alluded to in an earlier podcast, you know, this is your only league. This is the league you care about. Where does that, you know, caring about this league so much to, you know, make it your one league? Why, why do you care so much? Alex, I'll tell you why I care so much. And Brandon, I'll tell you this too. And all the listeners out there. Um, I'm the Dan Marino of this league, you guys. I've never won a championship. Oh, we know. We know. There you go. Dan, earlier in the podcast, Alex was trying to find comparisons based on uh, NFL teams. I think he called you the the Chiefs. I think yep. he called you the Chiefs. But uh, but I like Dan Marino. That's a good one. Well, he plays so are you going to end? And I don't want to put that on. I don't want to put that on Josh. Are you going to end up like Dan Marino or are you going to get that championship this year? You know, I, I'd prefer to end up like Russell Wilson with one championship as opposed to ending up like Dan Marino with zero championships. Hey, wait, wait to tie those Seahawks back in there. How do you feel about my comparison, though? Um, I was trying to think through the teams in the league that, you know, you two are based off history, based off things like that. I went with you being the Kansas City Chiefs, really, really strong regular season team, consistently making the playoffs, haven't been able to quite get over the hump. And I had Gray akin to the New Orleans Saints, and not because he's from Louisiana, but because <laughs> very consistent team, always, for the most part, makes the playoffs. You know, he's got that strong Drew Brees-like leadership ability with a squad, but only one Super Bowl to show for it. So I just felt like it was a good comparison. And unfortunately, Mr. Brandon on the call here got the, the evil empire as his team. That's how you know you're the evil empire when I was asking – I told Alex, I thought Gray was the Patriots, and, and he said no. And I'm like, well, then who would the Patriots be? And he said, you're the Patriots, Brandon. And then I looked at myself in the mirror, and a tear came down my face, and I knew that I was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ch Mr. Championship, you know, life's tough. So, you know, we've, we've heard about where you feel good about your team going into this matchup. Where do you feel your weaknesses are? Where do you think, you know, Dr Gray's team is, you know, planning where's their game plan right now on where to strike another good question alex i i just feel like i'm weak at running back derrick henry has been questionable in the last couple of weeks raheem mostert is a bit of a wild card he's been you know he's been kind of picking up the slack for the 49ers he's getting you know 50 percent or or more of the of the carries um james connor had a really rough season i definitely uh regret picking him with my number one pick um I think I think my running backs are probably probably my biggest weakness now because they're so unpredictable. Like James Conner and Derrick Henry could both go out in the first quarter with injuries and then, you know, Gray just runs away with it. That said, you never know. They're both studs. So if they if they can stay healthy and you know, and most dirt can can carry his own weight, then anything can happen. Yeah, and Ironically, we, we kind of did a, a matchup position by position, you know, where you guys compare. And if it makes you any feel any better about Raheem Mostert, the person Raheem Mostert's going head to head with here is Devin Singletary. 
So that's the best way to look at Moster. Can he outscore Devin Singletary? That's the best way to put it in perspective based on what's over on Gray's roster. I think he can in large part because the Rams aren't strong against the run. I think they're stronger against the pass. And Singletary is going up against the Pats D, which coincidentally is the number one defense. Um, that I also happen to be starting. So this could either oh. go really, really well or really poorly, uh, depending hey. on how Singletary performs. At least there's some correlation there for you. Exactly, exactly. I mean, historically, Brandon, what does this matchup mean to you? Where, where does this one fall in the pantheon of championships? Uh, I think it's a, I think it was a much needed one. I think Gray was definitely somebody who needed, you know, to be back in the playoffs or back in the championship. So it's a familiar spot for him. He's gunning for, I think, respectability and his true place. I think he's been overshadowed a little bit by yours truly, uh, even though Gray's been the better player. I think I've won more chips. And I think Josh, very deserving of being in the championship game. Um, you know, never having won a, a playoff game before. So I think a a Josh versus Gray matchup is uh, is just just what the doctor ordered. You know, one of the things we talked about, Josh, is it is so rare that you get the best two teams um, in the league that year to face off. This is first the first time, time ever. Yeah, it's the first time we've ever had a one seed versus a two seed face off. This is the first time since 2013 that we've had the top two teams in the power rankings uh, face off. And if you are able to win this game, you would be the champion of all the champions with the highest true winning percentage. So you could have a real claim to having, you know, the best team of all time here, having faced some real adversity too with, with the injuries that you face. Uh, no so no pressure on anything. Yeah, yeah no, no pressure. pressure. Yeah, and that pressure is definitely not going to extend from Saturday to Sunday, given that there's three games on Saturday too. So yeah, it's what, not what like do we gonna... have in play. What do we have in play on Thursday and Saturday on your squad? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, no Thursday games, it looks like, but a couple of uh, Saturday oh, ones, yeah. right, Josh? Yeah, correct, correct. I'll have three guys going on Saturday. Raheem Mostert playing the Rams. Perryman playing the Texans. And Pats D playing Buffalo. Okay. And meanwhile, Gray will have uh, Devin Singletary and Robbie Gould. So hoping you get off to uh, – you should be hopefully getting off to a good start there uh, in that, on that Saturday and seeing if you can yeah. hold on on Sunday. We'll see. And, you know, there's another storyline here that I thought was really interesting in that last week when I was playing Samantha, who, by the way, has an incredible team, and I got really lucky that Perryman went off because she scored a ton of points last week. Um, James Winston was throwing the ball to Perryman. So I knew that Winston was going to score a ton of points. Fortunately, a lot of those points ended up in Perryman's bucket. Um, it's which kind of helped, which like kind of helped neutralize the, the, uh, the, you know, the Winston threat this week, I'm playing Russell Wilson and Gray's playing Tyler Lockett. Who's Wilson's favorite receiver. So there's a decent chance that Lockett could neutralize a bunch of Russell Wilson's points, which would definitely help Gray's chances. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It worked in my favor last week. It could come back and bite me in the butt this week. But and as a Seahawks never, fan, you know that he, Tyler Lockett's been a serious enigma. He has. He has. You know, and, I, and Josh, it's funny you called that out. Like, I was facing that last week against Gray. I had Ryan Tannehill, and he had A.J. Brown. You know, That's right. And, I, you know, I guess, I guess you'd rather be the quarterback, though, than the wide receiver. Because if you're the wide receiver, you know, every time you're getting a point, the quarterback is getting a point. 
but not necessarily but the other way around. Everything's so much more valuable. If you're if your wide receiver can catch two touchdowns in a hundred yards, that's probably going to cancel out that quarterback. Yeah, I mean it's it's true, and and quarterback is your biggest position of strength, I think, relative to Gray too. He's got Fitzpatrick, and you've got Russell Wilson. So with, in a great matchup with the Cardinals. Exactly. So, um, God, so, Fitzpatrick yeah. might win the championship. It's like Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson all over again. <laughs> Classic Dilfer. Classic Dilfer. Former Seahawk. Former Seahawk. He is a very Matt Hasselbeck like guy. He just couldn't quite pull it together. I was True. rooting for them that year. That Sean Alexander just was out of control. Yeah, man. We, we had a good team in 2005. We got completely screwed over by the refs, which they later admitted to um, in that Super Bowl against the Steelers. But that that was really the Super Bowl that, that helped uh, football become Seattle's favorite pastime um, once the Sonics left. And especially now, since the Mariners are the the – they have the longest playoff drought in all four major sports. Yeah, they stink. They they aren't they aren't very good right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, just going down, what would you think is your favorite move of the year? And I know we talked a lot about this gray trade. So if it mm-hmm. is the gray trade, what player would it be in that trade? But if it's a free agent pickup or something else you did, what is your favorite decision that you made this year? It's another good question, Alex. Um, that's a, uh, let's see here. That's a tough one. So I've, I've made a lot of trades. I've also tried to pick up a lot of players that I have not gotten because staying it mostly toward the top of the power ranking the whole season, I've gotten the last pick of waivers every week, which has been a bit of a struggle. Um, I think we need a free agent budget next year, but that's just my opinion. I like it. Um, I need to learn more about it, but I like it. Um, I, in, in terms of the best pickup, uh, I mean, it's hard not to choose Perryman, right? If he, if he, oh, if, Perryman, if, if Perryman goes for like five points last week, I may not, I may not beat Samantha. Um, the trade with Gray was obviously pretty monumental, and trading Travis Kelsey is obviously a huge risk. Um, and let's talk let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Josh, yep. because um, I, I do think that is the, the number one reason you're in the championship game. Your team became supercharged after that trade. You know, he, he basically traded you a third of a team because like for him, I know he dropped the Rams and he quickly was not playing Cooks. He doesn't even have Cooks on his roster. And right. we were talking about how Brandon Cooks has only scored 16 points after you traded him away. 16 yep. points the whole season. So um, but he traded you Mark Andrews, the Patriots. Uh, and Mike Evans, that's a third of the roster. So, um, you know, what what was, but at the time, Alex and I talked about how we actually kind of would have rather been on the Travis Kelsey side of that deal. So um, talk to us about what was in your mind uh, going into that trade. Absolutely. Well, it felt like a pretty fair trade, first of all. We're, we're trading two two elite pass catchers, Mike Evans and Kelsey. Um, I'm picking up, a pretty solid tight end, at least at that point, in Mark Andrews. Nobody really knew what Lamar Jackson was going to do this season. I think that helped out Andrews a lot. Um, Brandon Cooks, it felt like he wasn't quite Jared Goff's favorite target, at least this season. Um, and because Goff has, you know, obviously Cooper Cup and Woods and Gerald Everett, now Tyler Higbee, 
to throw to. Cooks just kind of felt like he was a risky play every week. Boom or bust. And when it's a boom week, you're liking it a lot. And when it's a bust week, you're wishing you'd played somebody else. Um, so I felt like a bit more consistency would bode well. And then obviously the Pats D, I felt like that was the crown jewel of the trade, to be honest. Um, they may have they may have cooled off a little bit, but they're still, you know, the number one scoring defense. Um, the Rams D, somehow this season wasn't quite as good as last season uh, when they got to the Super Bowl. And I kind of assumed that they were going to be when I drafted them. Um, I don't remember what round it was, but I think it ended up, yeah, it felt like it ended up working out. Um, I got lucky. Um, I still feel like, you know, given that Kelsey is starting the championship, but for Gray's team, um, you know, Gray may have given up a little bit there, but the Mike Evans injury really hurts me. So, um, you never know. Yeah. I mean, it it ultimately didn't work. It didn't work out in the sense that, yeah, Evans is injured. Right. But, um, I think you definitely, by the numbers, you know, you won the trade, uh, no doubt, you know, like if we look at like actually, you know, how the two teams stacked up. You know, point total wise, you know, it was it was a landslide really for your team, especially considering that, you know, Gray wasn't even starting, you know, Cooks or the Rams. I think you you outscored him 294 to 185 with those three players versus his three players. So over 100 points more. Um, so certainly one. But I'm curious, how did the trade come about? Was it was it a, something that you were proactively looking to like acquire a receiver or is it or did Gray come to you? Uh, I'm curious. Inquiring minds want to know. So that's actually, so my follow-up answer, my answer 1B to that original question was going to be how it went down. And so I'm glad you asked that, Brandon. Um, Gray really wanted Kelsey, point blank. Um, So the entire entire point of the trade was so Gray could put Kelsey in his roster, which I completely respect. And I probably would have done it too had I not had Kelsey and wasn't willing to trade him. Um, so we went back and forth with a couple different trade offers. Um, at one point I was offered Miles Sanders and Kelsey or Miles Sanders and somebody else for Kelsey. Um, and we went back and forth and we gave each other a couple different looks at different trades. And finally it felt like Evans, Andrews and the Pats D was worth it for Cooks, Kelsey, and the Rams D. Um, and I felt like I'm, that may be a bit of a better trade for me, but given how badly Gray wanted Kelsey, it felt like it's something that could have gone through. Um, so when it did, I was happy. I did. I honestly didn't know a ton about Mark Andrews. I hadn't done a ton of research on him. I just knew that if he was a starting tight end in the league, he was probably about as good as all the other starting tight ends in the league. Well, it really goes to show, you know, how beauty is in the eye of the beholder, because like Brandon and I said, we were like, oh, we actually like the Kelsey side. So it definitely shows that you got a trade that worked out well for you. And it didn't have to work out in everyone else's eyes. And you thought it was like, oh, man, I hope the league lets it go through, which just goes to show, you know, perception is reality. It's really true. And I, I definitely didn't foresee Mark Andrews you know, as the as the number three tight end in the, in the league um, at the end of the season. You know, Kelsey's one, maybe two, depending on um, who else is there. But Kelsey is technically one. Andrews is three. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it worked out. I mean, 
it kind of worked out for both of us, right? Maybe if we don't do that trade, maybe neither one of us gets to the championship. Who knows? Um, Brandon, I think you've done that. I think if we don't do that trade, great is uh, is, is head and shoulders uh, above the league. I really think this is the trade. This trade had a huge impact in a positive way on your team. I mean, he was really struggling. He was very deep at wide receiver, but was really struggling for a long time. And it really made your team really strong. The Patriots, I mean, getting the Patriots to score 20 points a week as they were for a while. I mean, and Andrews is essentially equal to what Kelsey has done. So, I mean, I, I just think I just think it would have been a more even league. You may still might have been there, but teams like myself or Samantha or Alex, it might have been closer. Who knows? Well, you Don't know, what, patronize what me. Don't patronize <laughs> me. What, what, what I think is interesting um, is – is, you know, oftentimes we make these trades and, you know, maybe you play that team, you know, one other time in the, you know, later in the season, but it's rare that you guys, this is the biggest trade this season. And now you guys are going to be facing off in the playoffs. And so now the fact that Gray really wanted Travis Kelsey, all right, here we go. You know, so we're going to see, can Travis Kelsey going against the bears, you know, not a, not necessarily a great match, right. Um, in Chicago in the winter. Um, I know what that's like. Um, I would like to add the Broncos played Travis Kelsey in the snow last week, and he had 13 receptions for like 170 yards. But (laughs) hey, yeah, yeah, continue. Well, so it'll be interesting to see. Can Travis Kelsey, you know, can Travis Kelsey, you know, basically reward growth? I think he, I think for the full season, it's it's actually the deal's kind of hurt him, and now's his chance uh, to see if, if Travis Kelsey can make good. You know, on that deal. And then on your end, you know, I think the Patriots had kind of regressed there for a while and now roared back last week with 19 points in a good matchup with the Bengals. But, um, you know, uh, they scored 23 against Buffalo earlier this year. As a football fan, though, that game is going to be epic. If the Bills win that game, they take over the lead in the division, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well... Real football aside, the the, oh, the, I just the, forgot the we don't talk about that stuff here. The, the Sorry, Patriots guys. scored twenty three <laughs> against the Bills in Buffalo uh, earlier this year, so now they get them at home. Um, you gotta like uh, the Patriots. Yeah, and chances, Tom Brady's so. playing just as good as he was then, right? But Tom Brady doesn't play on that defense, my friend. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think it does bode well that Josh Allen is turnover prone. And the fact that they played played earlier this season and the Pats D had a ton of points, that also builds well. I think what this matchup is going to come down to is the running back situation. If our running backs can stay healthy and score some points, I think I've got a good shot. If, well, you know the Pats have extra footage also of the Bills playing from their sidelines as well. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah, win at all costs. Exactly. Well, Josh, it's been it's been a great season for you, man. Uh, you know, you ha- I just want to say you've had the best team this year. Kudos to you. You're like, I think, one of only six teams all time or five teams all time to have like over a 70 percent true winning percentage. You have double digit wins. Also something that hasn't been done a lot. You've earned your way, you know, here into the playoffs, set a lot of records this year. Um, one more game. Love to do it. Uh, you made a lot of great moves this season. You're a very active team owner all the way to the end. I mean, no bigger of that than picking up Rashad Perriman. I mean, anybody, uh, any of us could have had Rashad Perriman, right? You had the lowest waiver claim that week, and yet you were the one that ended up with Rashad Perriman. So um, full credit to you. Uh, I wish you all the luck 
in the championship and game. I, I did I predict Ray would win this one, but my heart's with you. The 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 level, you know, the I can just I feel like Josh right now is like that player. Like he's not hyper energetic right now. He's just sort of you can tell he's like that player before the Super Bowl who's just like keeping his emotions in check, trying to focus he's on locked the- in. And he is so locked yeah. in right now. You sound so yeah. locked in, Josh. You are ready for this. Thanks, guys. And I, I just wanted to say thank you for, um, you know, helping make this league so fun. You know, Brandon with the blog and Alex, you and Brandon both with the with the pod. Um, you know, at the end of the day, all I really want is the league's respect. And if that's something that I can achieve, uh, you know, by getting to the championship, then that's great. And I feel like I've I've had an amazing season. Um, if I end up winning it, then, you know, that's just a cherry on top. You want that banner, bro. You want that banner. You know I do. Specifically, the, the place in the, the, the worstleague.com slash Hall of Champions uh, banner, where you need, you need you're going to have to send me a new photo, sir, if, you, if you're able to claim the championship. Don't hit send yet. I don't want you to jinx yourself. But I need Honestly, to see every you time I show <laughs> my friends the website, they go to the Hall of Champions, and they're like, okay, glad you're on here. <laughs> yeah. They say what about the Hall of Champions? No, I say every time I show a friend or a random person our website, they obviously naturally click to the Hall of Champions. They're like, okay, good. Just making sure you're on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a big deal to be included on that Hall of Champions. You know, we it's don't have prestigious. a league trophy. So I feel like that is that is our league trophy, is is the Hall of Champions. And you know? way lower shipping costs. So really good. <laughs> True. Awesome. I want well, to be, be in there, everybody. I want to be in there. Oh, we know. We know, Josh. We know. Well, and and everybody, Josh, thank you so much. You're you're on the West Coast. Timing's a little tough sometimes on scheduling. So thanks for, you know, getting with us, you know, at a little bit earlier than might be normal. Um, we really appreciate you jumping on here. It, you know, it feels good to have you on. And I'm, I think next week we should bring Gray back to either talk about how sad he is or how excited he is just since we had you on this week. It's only fair. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Josh. Brandon, thank you for all you do and all of your research. Um, and, you know, what do, you, do, you have any, do you have any parting words for us, Josh? Um, you know, it's been an amazing season. Uh, I appreciate all of you. And I really hope that Brashad Perryman goes for 40 points. <laughs> you heard that, Perryman. Do, 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 your, do your work. Do your best. <laughs> Do, do your best or do your worst, as it's not awesome. the worst. I hate that I forgot this. You know, um, we've, we've gotten little tidbits from everybody about who they are, what they are, what they do. Josh, tell us a little bit. Of, tell the world about what you're up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm living in Seattle, Washington um, with my wife, Kelly, and my dog, Trudy. Um, I'm working downtown at Facebook and uh, really, really enjoying it there. Um, this fall, I've been playing fantasy football really hard and playing against some really, really stiff competition. So it's been, you know, it's been a great couple months and, uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. It has been a fun season. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much, Josh. We're going to go ahead and sign off for the evening. Um, we appreciate everyone sitting through what will be another marathon of a podcast because, you know, it's what we do. 
And which, let's, which uh, let's face it, at this point, is just this podcast is now just for one person because the three of us on the podcast are the only ones that care. Josh is the only one still alive. The only other person is Greg. So this, this <laughs> yeah. whole recording, yeah, this is you're a welcome, Greg. We had six listeners last week, guys. Six. Listeners. I got an idea. I got an idea. I'm going to say a word right now. We're going to test our listenership. Okay. If you have listened to the end of this podcast, I want you to text this word to, uh, to the, to the WhatsApp group chat. And that word is seahorse. The word is seahorse. (laughs) Great words. Really strong word choice. You must be, you must be a copywriter because that's, that's a strong word choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's one more thing I wanted to add, and that is uh, I wanted to put a claim uh, potentially on any hole in the in the league next season um, for my wife, Kelly, um, got the who, hole. who is uh, an avid fantasy football player, uh, didn't play in the league this season, but I imagine by next season she will be uh, – you know, rare in a go. So if for any reason anybody chooses uh, to not participate, um, Kelly would be a great candidate uh, to fill that gap. And even if we were going to say no, we can't say no now because it's on a podcast. That was really well done. I love the way you pulled that off. <laughs> Man, every time people's wives join, I just got another person that's going to destroy me. Awesome. Great. <laughs> <laughs> You've already won me over, Josh. I think that's a great choice. <laughs> awesome well you guys both have a great night um gray thanks for listening and <laughs> everyone let's talk about some seahorses what do you say yeah good luck in the championship josh good luck gray to you as well sir uh, i'm looking forward to uh watching that travis kelsey versus harrison bucker uh championship final on sunday night oh man all right well everyone have a great night thanks guys come on bucker come on bucker <laughs> Let's go, Bucker. <laughs>